Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That is what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. Be it joy and laughter, sorrow and tears, awe and insight, or deepest devotion, as we visit and listen, we are all part of a spiritual voyage called Song of the Soul. Another treasure of a musician joins us today for Song of the Soul, who I came into contact with via my interview with Dada Veda of the Songs for Social Change contest. Folks can enter their music in the 2018 competition currently going on for that group, and the link is on northernspiritradio.org. But one of last year's top ten finalists was a song by Amanda Yudis Kessler and Every Soul a song called The Difference. Today, Amanda joins us to share a deeper look into her music. You'll find Amanda to be thoughtful, penetrating, and kind, and not a wishy-washy kind, but a strong and clear kindness that shares truth and insight unapologetically. Amanda's quests have led her over a number of religious and spiritual paths, though she has long identified as a Unitarian Universalist. Her work includes her music, her writing, and her job as Director of Assessment and Program Review at Colorado College. Amanda Yudis Kessler joins us today from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Mark, thank you so much for having me. And how is your soul today? My soul is light and joyous. Is that because you work from home today? Partly that, partly it's really so lovely to get to speak with you, and because I have a nice day of projects ahead, and when I work from home, I might even have some music on the computer, so that'll be lovely. My understanding is you grew up in rural Nebraska, you lived in New York City, and now you're in Colorado. That's quite a commute. I actually grew up in New York City, and Phoebe Lostro, my spouse, grew up in rural Nevada, ah. so... We're a funny mix that way. So it's Phoebe who's from Nebraska. Yep. Is this a case of country mouse, city mouse? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Where do two people like that meet? Well, we actually met in Boston at a Unitarian Universalist church. I was a member there, and I had been recruited to sing in the choir by a choir member. One day I was just happening to stand right behind him, and after we sang the hymns, he turned and said, please join the choir because I don't have a very pretty voice, but I can carry a tune pretty well. So I joined the choir. She had started coming to the church at a difficult moment in her life, and she was the choir librarian. That's actually how we met. I had done some writing prior to ever joining the church, and she had read some of my writing, and she remembered my name, and she said, there can't be many Yudis Kesslers out there. And so we were friends for a couple of years, and then we became a couple in 1997, and so... We are about a month away from our 21st anniversary. I'm kind of confused. Judas Kessler is your name. It's a hyphenated name. Yep. When my wife and I got married, we chose a new last name rather than doing hyphenated or something like that, because I didn't want to pass that on to our children, you know, that kind of setup. Sure. How did you get a hyphenated Judas Kessler, or what is, what's its origins? Sure. My uh, father's last name is Kessler. And my mother's birth last name was Eudis. 
And so I elected to hyphenate as a child. I don't honestly remember why I elected that. So both of those last names are from my parents. And one reason we did not share names when we got together was that both of us were already published as authors. Phoebe is an academic and has a lot of science publications, so we wanted to keep our own last names because we are identified with them as writers. Well, you know what I want to do is jump right into your music, and I'm going to get more of your background, particularly with respect to music, as we go. How do you want to start off your Song of the Soul? Well, let's start with my song, Equinox. I wrote it in 2003, as the war with Iraq was about to get underway, and I wrote it right around the time of the vernal equinox. You know, it's normally good songwriting practice to have a song title that's actually in the song as a lyric somewhere. But in this case, I didn't do that because I thought that the title really captured this sense of the moment of balance. And because it was a moment where I really felt that our country was balanced between challenge and hope, that's kind of what inspired the song originally. We'll dive right into it. Our guest today for Song of the Soul is Amanda Yudis Kessler. When she's doing music, it's as Every Soul, and their website is everysoulmusic.com. Here is the song Equinox. Balance between winter and summer, balance between darkness and light, balance between hatred and fear, and the strength to do. It's a precarious place to be I need you here with me Help me to keep the better path in sight What does it mean when life's so precious Crumble before the hand of greed How are your boundless gifts to be known When so many and lovely light and all the moments in between The greatest thanks that I can give is to do what I can to help my neighbors live Send me sisters and brothers with courage Help me see that I'm not alone When I'm Tempted to drown in despair Send me courage of my own If it's a peaceful world I seek Let peace be what I speak The fruit of the seeds of trust That I have sown For the summer's warm and delicious For the winter's crisp darkness and lovely light and all the moments in between the greatest thanks that I can give is to do what I can to help my neighbors live 
and everything in between. It's Equinox by Amanda Yudis Kessler. Every Soul is the musical collaboration of Amanda and Phoebe, and I understand a lot of other folks as well. People at the UU congregation you're part of, the Center for Spiritual Living. Do you circulate a lot in musical communities? You're still in the choir? No, that choir actually was back in Boston, and I followed Phoebe to Colorado Springs when she got a tenure-track job at Colorado College. We've been in a few different Unitarian Universalist churches since then, but the church I'm now connected to doesn't have much of a choir at this point. And so my music life is accompanying at church sometimes. Sometimes she and I have an opportunity for a gig, but right now it's mostly kind of a quiet, creative time rather than a big performing time. My understanding is that Colorado Springs is not, it's not one of those liberal havens. That is an understatement. And in fact, that leads us to a more recent song of mine, Hell is a Human Invention, which was really inspired by living in Colorado Springs. Now, some people have said that the Springs is the evangelical Vatican of the United States, I think that's a funny way to put it, but I don't know that it's wrong. We have many, many, many evangelical and conservative churches here, New Life churches here, Focus on the Family is here. And so after living here for about 10 years, I was inspired to write Hell is a Human Invention. And I'd had the title phrase down for a long time on a piece of paper with a whole bunch of rhymes with invention written next to it. But I didn't get the song until one day I got that first line You hear them preach it all over this town, where you will land when you die. And from there, everything just kind of built on itself. My favorite moment of the song really was not any of the lyrics. It was the moment when I thought, ah, this is a tango. Because really, universalism is a a serious theological approach. So why not leaven it a bit with tango music? And I love the fact that it's a tango. It's a, it really, music is awesome because of that. I, I've done actually tangos. I'm an international folk dancer. And so along the way, I did learn some tangos as well. And hell is a human invention. Of course, when you choose a word that ends in shun in English, you've got a lot of options. Or need I mention? <laughs> mention options? <laughs> yes. And it's a a great story and thought. And of course, you, you, this makes such good sense. One of the first few times I attended a Quaker gathering, I asked one of my friends who was part of the group in Milwaukee, where I was going, I asked her if Quakers believed in hell. And she said, basically, hell no. (laughs) And then I asked her if Quakers believed in heaven. And she says, well, maybe some do, some don't. It's it differs. So hell is not a UU thing very much, I think. And of course, there's a range of belief there. But heaven, how does that work for you? So for me, and I would say for a lot of UUs, and I should say also, I have been very influenced by the Quaker tradition. In my early UU days, I worshipped halftime, or I attended halftime at a Quaker meeting. 
and that has influenced me a lot as well. But for me, the deepest UU theology about heaven is actually captured in a song that the Go-Go's wrote, gosh, 30 years or so ago now. Belinda Carlisle wrote, uh, Heaven is a place on earth. And of course, in the song, it's about love and relationships. But I think I and probably many UUs believe that heaven and hell are both places on earth. We make heaven, we make hell. We can live in love and compassion, gratitude, generosity, care for the environment, care for the dispossessed, or we can be greedy and selfish, cause harm, live in fear. And so in the first case, that would be heaven, and in the second case, that would be hell. And so I guess I think heaven is also a human invention, but a wonderful human invention. And I hope my music encourages people to think about inventing more heaven. And here she is, Amanda Udis Kessler, Every Soul, Hell is a Human Invention. You hear them preach it all over this town, where you will land when you die. Some will go up, and most will go down, so much for the sweet boy and boy. But I won't be taken by claims I'm forsaken, for sins too outrageous to mention. Not that I'm pure, but of this I am sure Hell is a human invention Hell is a human invention Have you been sleepless with worry and fear Pondering brimstone and flames Have you felt guilty without knowing why have you been laden with shame? Open your eyes and say your goodbyes to history's cruelest contention. Social control's not good for your soul, and hell is a human invention. Hell is a human invention.
Kessler puts it so well. Hell is a human invention. That is from her current album. Uh, it just came out, I guess, uh, very, 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 very recently. I was wondering if you've actually heard sermons about heaven and hell in the UU tradition. I've given a number of sermons about hell, actually. And even though I think the song is much catchier than any sermon I've ever given, Hell is really something that people who are serious universalists have to wrestle with. And by universalist here, that could be a a more secular kind of universalism that doesn't really focus on a personal God. But it also can be the Christian universalist tradition, which is well represented by people like Hosea Ballou, who, when he was challenged by the Calvinists of his day, he said, well, you know, you're you're a dad, so he'd be talking to a minister, He'd say, you're a dad, you know, if your son isn't perfect or your daughter isn't perfect, would you torture them? And, of course, the people he was talking to would always say, no, no, I love my son, I love my daughter. And and he would say, God loves us at least that much, if not more, so God would not torture us. And I have found that to be a profoundly moving statement. And so that's what UUism descends from, even though not all UUs are explicitly Christian at this point. And not only would you not torture your child, you wouldn't torture them eternally. <laughs> That's Gosh, no. <laughs> let's raise the stakes a little bit here. One of the best wrestlings with it that I read theologically was a book called If Grace is True. Mm, Philip Gully and Jim Mulholland. Yes, yeah, I, I really like what they did there. Yeah, Some deep thoughts about it. And I think most people, actually, I was raised Catholic, And one of the things that led me to question the whole thing I was raised in, I mean, I had a good time in it. I didn't get a lot of the negative out of Catholicism that I've heard some ex-Catholics refer to getting out of it. I realized that this whole idea of hell, that doesn't make sense. This is a loving God who does what? Right. That makes no sense. And you're going to torture someone eternally in hell because they never heard Jesus' name. Wow, that's kind of harsh. So, well, and it, that actually connects to yet another song on our list today called Love at the Core. It does have a verse about hell, and in it there's a woman mentioned who's praying that hell isn't real and a man who believes that he's going to go to hell because he's attracted to other men. Those lines are followed with the lines, We are freed from such terror once we're truly secure in our ultimate fate that no torments await since there's love at the core. And so for me, it's pretty straightforward. If if love is at the heart of things, if love is the holy and the sacred and the divine, then there can't be hell as such. You know, people suffer. Some of our suffering we can't help. If someone we love dies or a pet we love dies, we're going to suffer somewhat. 
but we certainly don't have to try to make people suffer any more than the bare minimum. And, you know, ideally we will share our love and cultivate our love and encourage other people to love more. That song, Love at the Core, is actually a little bit about hell and why I don't believe in it. But more generally, it's about what we might be grateful for at our hearts. Love at the Core, Every Soul. Imagine a morning Whales and dolphins at play Redwoods that rise To extravagant skies Crystal and clay The dawn of a creature Who will dream and explore All the good that exists Tells us simply this There is love at the core But we quickly lose sight of This blessing so deep When our days seem like mountains With paths worn away Impossibly steep Yet we struggle for justice And we always do Show the love at the core Love at the core Love that never refrains Hate it, ignore it, deny that it's there Love still remains It's as simple as sunlight It's as strong as a stone through when our nightmares come true love brings us home a woman is praying that hell isn't real a man is convinced he's eternally damned for the passion he feels we are freed from such terror once we're truly secure torments await since there's love at the core love welcomes us freely but love makes demands we are asked to respond with our hearts and our souls and our minds and our hands giving food to the hungry sharing wealth with the So that we demonstrate all the love at the core Love at the core It's a curious thing It couldn't care less if you're human or germ If you're peasant or king We can love in its image We can stop keeping score In the love at the core There's a great celebration And it's meant for us all Doesn't matter your creeds Or your fears or your needs When the mystery calls 
Kessler. The song is Love at the Core. And I think so many of us would actually believe that, would actually reach in that direction. But a lot of people at the same time seem to hold a contradictory belief. It's like, yeah, love is at the core, but you got to punish people if they're bad, or you got to kill them if they're bad, got to get revenge. And it seems so contradictory to what we know and what we would actually do if we accept this parent-child relationship with the divine. Of course, I realize that each person expresses this differently, and I'm not attached to which words we use, but people who say, you know, our Father who art in heaven, burn me? I don't, I mean, I don't, I think if they really looked at their thoughts explicitly, they would have to say, wow, that's kind of mixed up. Well, it's interesting because the, so by heritage, I'm Jewish, and certainly within Judaism, there is a kind of a tension in the notion of God as loving, but also God as just. And the idea of hell, as Christians experience it now, didn't exist until a few hundred years before the life of Jesus. It was cultivated by Jews at a point in time when they were being conquered by one empire after another. You know, the Assyrians, the Romans. Babylonians. The Babylonians, right. And it, at some point, somewhere in the tradition, someone said, clearly we're not getting any justice on earth. So there must be justice after we die, which means all these bad people who harm us and oppress us and send us into exile must be going to hell. And my understanding from my seminary education is that that really is the history of Western hell. It, it, it came out of a desire for justice. And my response to that is, of course, I understand the desire for justice. I would love to live in a world where everyone had full opportunities, where no one was oppressed, where no one was hungry, where no one was hated, of course. But I think the best way spiritually that we can think about justice in that context, is not pushing it off until we die and hoping that some people suffer as a result of disempowering other people, but rather we, that we try to figure out ways to convince everyone that no one ought to suffer because of their group membership, that we should all treat each other well, that we shouldn't have racism or sexism or homophobia, and that we should try to build justice in our lives now. Because from my perspective, either I'll die and that'll be that. There won't be anything following. Maybe that's possible, or I'll die and there will be something wonderful. I don't think I'll die and there will be something terrible. But for me, the focus is really on the life we live now. And there's actually a wonderful tradition in Judaism that every morning, God wakes up and says to God's self, am I going to be loving and forgiving today, or am I going to be just? And that God actually prays that God's loving and forgiving side will overcome God's demand for justice. 
And, and in that sense, justice meaning punishing people. And I think that's a really beautiful tradition that the struggle that we as individuals have to be kind versus to hurt other people is even a tradition that the holy struggles with. So an interesting moment of historical Judaism there. And Amanda, the kind of Jewish that you grew up, which flavor? Were you a secular household? How did that play out? We were a secular household. Sometime in our family's distant past, we may have been connected with the Baal Shem Tov, who founded the Hasidic tradition, but that clearly was generations back. On one side, the family was probably Reform Jewish, I'm not sure. On the other side, they were socialists and communists, and so they didn't have a lot of truck with organized religion. And I'm actually the first person in my family on either side for a number of generations to try to bring together politically progressive values and religious values. I'm wondering how that worked for you. I think you've gone to seminary, hopefully a UU seminary, and you had the Quaker connection for a while. I'm aware of people who grew up Jewish who are comfortable in both of those settings. I assume you may have looked elsewhere and found that other settings were going to be less welcoming of the whole Amanda Yudis Kessler. You know, that's, that's exactly right. As a teenager, my friends were all sneaking out to get high, and I was sneaking out to go to Baha'i meetings and, you know, sneaking out to try Episcopal churches and things like that. It took me till college to find the UUs and to kind of settle in with my mix of Quaker and UU practice. But certainly I did go to a number of places where at the time, in the 70s and 80s, they weren't necessarily welcoming of sexual minority people. And I was pretty clear about being bisexual from a a relatively young age. And so I knew somehow that the religion I saw around me seemed pretty judgmental on that issue. And I knew that I was going to have to find something that was both spiritually meaningful, but also truly welcoming. Now, since those days, I wound up writing my sociology doctorate on the United Methodist Church. And I have found much to love there as well. There is a kind of beautiful piety among the Methodists, especially among the more politically progressive ones. It's quite lovely, but I have not really found myself to be a doctrinal Christian. So I, I can't really affirm creeds, but I am deeply moved and inspired by the actual life of Jesus and the work of Jesus, which leads to my most recent song in the mix here, which is called Welcome to the Manger. And it is, I would say, probably the only decent Christian song I've ever written. I hope my spirituality is open-hearted enough to welcome Christian beauty in, along with the other things that move me. And so this is a song that is structured as a dream, a dream of the nativity, but the middle verse is actually about the life and work of Jesus and what is beautiful about it. And so in that sense, it's a kind of an unusual Christmas song but it is both a nativity moment and a a vision of what's lovely that Jesus did. Welcome to the manger, Amanda Yudis Kessler, Every Soul. I hit the sack, exhausted by a day too long. The night went black, and suddenly I heard a song. I rubbed my eyes and looked out on a desert land. To my surprise, saw shepherds far across the sand. Was this a dream or had I simply gone insane? I thought I heard an angel proclaim, 
Welcome to the manger where no one is a stranger. And though there may be danger, love has the final say. Welcome to the stable where love is ever able. No matter what your label, let nothing you dismay. For love is on the way. The sick are healed, restored to their communities. Love is revealed in how we treat the least of these. A loaf of bread upon a table set for all. The hungry fed, the jailed set free, the prophets call. We still have time to build a world of love and care. And I thought I heard the heavenly host declare. Welcome to the manger where no one is a stranger. And though there may be danger, love has the final say. Welcome to the stable where love is ever able. No matter what your label, let nothing you dismay, for love is born today. song, and I hope it's not too much to call it that, is Welcome to the Manger by Amanda Yudis Kessler on stage. She is Every Soul, and the website is everysoulmusic.com. She's here today with us for Song of the Soul, which you all know is a Northern Spirit Radio production website, Northern Spirit radio.org all links to our guests from this past 13 years are on our site and more information about them song lists stations where we're broadcast all of that is on nordenspiritradio.org as well as a place to post comments when you listen to this interview of amanda Yudis kessler please post a comment on our site and let us know what you thought of it and also there's a place to donate if you wish to this is full-time work, and it's supported only by listeners, not by government, not by corporate. 
corporations. So click donate when you come. More importantly, though, we're carried on some 37 stations across the United States. Those community radio stations are so valuable for alternative music and news, something you get on no mainstream radio station. So please remember to support your local community radio station first. I would put that number one. Again, Amanda Yudis Kessler is here. She's over in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Quite a journey you've had. And that song, Welcome to the Manger, you know, you just wrote it this past year, so that's pretty incredible. It's in itself. And I think you capture it really well. You said it was an unusual Christmas song because it includes, you know, the part in the middle about the sick being healed and, you know, restored to communities, love. The sad thing for me, you know, I'm Quaker. I consider myself in the vein of universalist Christian. The sad thing from my point of view is that that attention to love being carried out in the world, really being lived out as in, you know, the Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff. It's rare. It's a lot of people get very attached to the beliefs without carrying out the life of. So I think it's particularly wonderful that you use the birth of Jesus as connecting with the message of Jesus. Yeah, and I think part of what influenced that song, however indirectly, is living again in such an evangelical city, the part of evangelicalism that I feel least connected to or that maybe troubles me the most is that it can be very easy to imagine one's relationship with Jesus as only about personal salvation. So there certainly is this tradition on the more conservative side of Christianity that is very individualistic. And certainly I agree that any kind of spirituality has an individualistic component. We we grow personally and we interact with other people personally and we tend to our lives personally. But again, to me, what is so beautiful about spiritual traditions that care for others, and in, in Christianity, this would be what's sometimes called the social gospel piece, is that in our gratitude for the spiritual opportunities we have and the spiritual connections we have, that we have then an opportunity to take that gratitude and connect it to helping other people be grateful. And we can do that in part by doing good work in the world and helping the uh, helping uh, sharing wealth with the poor and feeding the hungry and showing people love and so on. And that actually leads a bit to my song Affirmation, which is in some ways not really a song. It's more of a, what would be called a doxology. So it's used strictly in a worship setting. And there are many doxologies in the Christian tradition. There are often four lines, and this indeed is four lines. But what makes this a little bit different from doxologies that are truly doctrinal is it doesn't affirm something specific about the divine nature of Jesus or the saving work of Jesus or anything like that. It simply says that we are blessed in the world, and so when we turn around and bless others, we, as the song says, we make a better world, one that we can call everybody's home. And then one thing that's lovely about this piece is that it has a verse in Spanish that was contributed by a man named Abraham Ellis. The affirmation was picked up to be used by a large UU church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he is or was a member there, and they like to have a lot of their worship in Spanish as well as in English, and so he wrote this lovely Spanish verse, and I'm just going to quickly read the translation of the Spanish. Together for love, everyone is precious, 
No one is a stranger. No one lacks food. No one lacks warmth. Every step in faith with virtue and joy, we are building a better world full of color like a flower. It's a beautiful song. It's Affirmation by Amanda Yudis Kessler. All of us are loved. Each of us is welcome. No one is a stranger. No one is an outcast. No one is alone. Everything we do, when our hearts are grateful and our lives are faithful, makes a better world. One that we can call everybody's home. Juntos por amor, cada quien precioso. Nadie es un extraño, nadie es invocado, nadie es Affirmation by Every Soul. And I'm a little bit torn. I'd like to say your name, Amanda Yudis Kessler, but Every Soul is the name that you do music under and website everysoulmusic.com. Of course, the link's on nordenspiritradio.org. Where did Every Soul come from, Amanda? That phrase actually came from a song we've already heard today, Love at the Core. There's one line we can seek to invite every soul to delight in the love at the core. And there, every soul is literally two words. It means every person. But I thought as a band name, having it be a, a single word made a little bit more sense. And the logic behind the band name is captured actually on the homepage of our website, where our name is explained in the following way. Because every soul is sacred, because every soul is blessed, and every soul is a blessing, because every soul matters, because every soul deserves the opportunity to flourish, because every soul needs to be on deck if we are to build the world we dream of. That's how I think about the band name these days. Sounds like a perfect answer to me. The affirmation, the doxology, 
it sounds like something that could be in the UU hymn book. I, have you been published there? That piece actually was not selected, but I have another piece that is published in the uh, 2005 hymnal Singing the Journey. It's called Mother Earth, Beloved Garden, and it's actually kind of a funny story. It is a, uh, a hymn to call the directions, so it's inspired by the pagan tradition, but because I myself am not a pagan, I kind of got it wrong, and the first verse is actually calling north, and the first verse should be calling east. Yeah, but, you're always um, supposed to end with the north. <laughs> we're all imperfect. <laughs> but nonetheless, because the phrase Mother Earth, Beloved Garden seemed like such a good title, so when you use sing that hymn, they call the directions wrong, but hopefully the directions are open-hearted and aren't too offended. <laughs> You mentioned you're not pagan, and I'm sure that there's quite a few people who really aren't quite clear what pagan is or isn't. Is there a particular reason you are clear that you're not pagan? So there are two things about paganism that I would say I respect deeply, but they don't draw me as much. The earth-centered component of paganism, again, I intellectually respect it greatly, but possibly because I grew up in New York City and I'm totally an urban girl, the earth-centered piece just hasn't sort of grasped me as much or as deeply. And then, while I also have great respect for pagan rituals, again, for whatever reason, and, you know, I sort of regret this, but they, they just don't talk to me as much. I, I really do love worshiping in a church setting or attending in a silent Quaker meeting, and those just speak to me more. But bless the pagans, because they have something tremendous to offer, especially in terms of the hopes that we might save the planet while there's still time. For sure. You say, by the way, that you're totally an urban girl, but I'm pretty sure you're not a material girl living in a material world. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. No, here, there's actually a, a funny story about how urban I am, and it's related to the final song, Bringing in the Harvest. This song was inspired by the fact that in my younger days, I listened to a lot of contemporary Christian music despite that not being my theology, because I was so moved by spiritual music in a pop setting. That just really touched me. And that's actually why I started writing spiritual music with you know, popular musical settings eventually, to get to hear what I hoped someone else would write. And at some point I thought, you know, there are a number of really good evangelical CCM songs about harvesting and farming and working in the field, but they're all about evangelizing. And I thought... From a liberal spiritual tradition, farming or gardening or harvesting as a metaphor, what does that really speak to? And when I thought about it, I thought, you know, it speaks to personal growth. It speaks to personal healing. The harvest we bring in is the harvest of our own well-being and our own beautiful souls. And so I was inspired to write Bringing in the Harvest to have an alternative to some of the more evangelical ways of talking about working in the field. But being such an urban person and knowing nothing about gardening, the first version of the song was really quite incorrect in its discussion of gardening. Now, Phoebe grew up gardening in rural Nebraska, and so when I first brought her the lyrics, and she edits everything I write, she laughed in my face and said, really, that's not very good. So uh, she helped me rewrite it, and my father and his wife, so my father was a songwriter for many years, a professional one, and he and his wife also contributed some thoughts to the gardening language in it. I think it wound up really good because of all of their input and helping me especially get the first verse correct in the order of things and what time of day 
you would pull the weeds versus watering and so on. But it's a song that I really love because it finds an earthy metaphor for the work we do. And being someone who is not immediately comfortable in earthy metaphors, I was really glad to have the opportunity to play with one. The one she played with is bringing in the harvest on their latest album from Every Soul. What happened to the summer? We shake our heads and wonder. The hours simply seemed to fly away. We pulled the weeds each morning. We watered every evening. And the heat of August brought us to this day. The prickles scratch and sting And the stubborn roots of trouble fight to stay below We give the best that we can bring And reap the blessings of the goodness we've already sowed We carry pastures of plenty deep Today is 
final musical gift from Every Soul. That is Amanda Yudis Kessler, Phoebe Lostro, and some other folks. But bringing in the harvest is quite a way to end the valuable stuff that you've brought to us today, Amanda. We have been speaking with Amanda Yudis Kessler out in Colorado Springs. Such a wonderful path you've traveled. I I love the idea of you with Jewish background and you, you and Quaker and Baha'i and Episcopalian and Methodist, listening to pop Christian music that is not your lyrics. That indicates to me a soul that is rich for the harvest, a lot of fruit being produced. It seems to me that you're lifting up the best in all of those kinds of aspects across this, the entire spectrum. I really appreciate your music. Your lyrics really capture me, in particular, Amanda. You are a blessing unto me and to so many other people. Again, we've been speaking with Amanda Yudis Kessler, along with Phoebe Lostro and some other folks. She is Every Soul, the website, everysoulmusic.com. The link's on nordenspiritradio.org. Thanks so much, Amanda, for joining me today for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much, and I certainly wish you a blessed day. We'll see you all next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it is called Song of the Soul. Check out all things Song of the Soul on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Send your Songs of the Soul to me, Mark Helps Meet, via the info on our website, and join us weekly for Song of the Soul.